Welcome to Kingdom Perspectives. My name is Corey Turner and it's my privilege to host you for today's podcast. Kingdom Perspectives is all about getting God's perspective on life, culture and ministry. In a world of increasing noise and deception, we need to cut through the confusion and complexity of the times we live in and get God's perspective on our lives. I encourage you to click on the subscribe button to automatically receive this podcast on a weekly basis. Also, if you'd like to leave us a brief review, that would be a great blessing to us. And now I'm excited to actually introduce our special guest today, and that is not only a great friend, but a spiritual father of mine, David McCracken. David, how are you going? I'm great. Thank you, Corey. It's great to have you here with us. And uh, David, you and I have been journeying together over many years, and it's been a privilege for my wife and I. Uh, to be able to walk with you and and have you speak into our lives along with your wife, Margaret. Uh, Maybe for those listeners out there who don't know uh, of your ministry too well or are familiar with Dave McCracken Ministries, maybe take us on a bit of a journey of some of your story and and, uh, what God's been doing in your life in past seasons as well as what, what does life and ministry look like for you these days? Thank you, Corey. I just want to say it's a privilege to be here. It's great to have And uh, I can't think of too many people on the globe that have inspired me and my family quite like you. And uh, the one thing I love about it is the fact that you've kept your tender heart, even when God has increased the apostolic grace on your life, incredibly, you've kept your heart for God and oh, for thanks. people. Yeah. So as far as my own uh, journey is concerned, I suppose I should start at the beginning, but I'll be very quick. Um, 49 years, married to Margaret. That's wow. one of my big milestones. Yeah, um, three kids, six grandchildren, and a host of spiritual sons and daughters. Yes, um, I first started preaching when I was nineteen, and fifty-three years ago. I'm seventy-two now, and pioneering in Fiji wow. and uh, YWAM, and then on, yep. on the streets of Auckland City, and then Margaret and I married, and we pioneered a local church when we were twenty-five years old, and. Uh, built it from nine people up to a few hundred and then wow. uh, passed it on to someone else. Yep. Went out um, 32 years ago as an itinerant. We'd, I've been moving prophetically for many years yep. and the pressure to be accepting invitations to the body and to strengthen the body had increased. Therefore, we had to pass the church over to someone. And one of my sons in the faith at that time was a wonderful man and uh, we passed that over. Now that church is still flourishing, growing, right. and is in its third generation of leadership. Wow. And we're still all close, close friends, and I still have an apostolic voice into that church. So it's really a great relationship. Praise God. And then we came to live here in Melbourne 27 years ago. Yep. And we met sometime after that. Yes. And then... Um, so that's our journey. Um, I love ministering into the body. Yeah. Um, I love most of all being a, a bit of a spiritual dad to yeah. uh, sons and daughters. I think that's my greatest joy. Yeah. Um, Fifteen years ago, we built a team, yeah. full-time team of prophetic ministries, and then three years ago, we released them all to be self-supporting within their own ministries, yeah, wow. and they're flourishing. So. That's one of the highlights. I think one of the great joys, personally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, really appreciate you sharing um, the significance of what God's done in your life and ministry over many years. And I've personally been privileged to watch that uh, and observe that up close and personal. Um, and obviously, uh, one of the distinctive 
uh, of your ministry has been around the prophetic, um, not only hearing God's voice and communicating God's heart to people and to the body of Christ, but helping people um, to learn how to hear God's voice and how to uh, live out the implications of what God's saying in their ministries and in their life. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's fast forward to currently we're in the midst of a very unique season across the earth with this global right. pandemic. And for some people who are going to be listening to this podcast in years to come, uh, they would have uh, lived through and known of this pandemic. What do you sense prophetically God's saying to the world and to the church particularly uh, at this time? Well, I think that every time you see something like this, we know that the devil's got his agenda. I don't think God's the author of it. I think the devil's the author of it. But God has always got his agenda, and he is the uh, great redeemer. And therefore, he's redeeming this time. And I believe that he has got much on his agenda to show people and to speak to uh, people within the church. I, I think that... Um, there's a great call of the Holy Spirit right now to come back to simplicity, to take off the layers, find out what's really critical, find out what's really vital. I suppose one of the concerns that I carry at the moment is that a lot of church leaders will uh, simply ride this out until whatever is normal comes back. Uh, And they're going to miss the entire God objective of this season. Um, because I feel this is a season where God is calling us back to what I say, calling us back to the garden. Yep. In other okay. words, uh, the simplicity of uh, the garden originally was the simplicity of a son and a daughter. Yeah. Fellowshipping with their father, yeah. and out of whatever he breathed into their spirit, they were able to rule the planet. Yeah. And I think God is wanting this time to be a time when pastors and leaders and Christians get aside with him. Yeah, learn to uh, again to hear his voice clearly, cultivating that intimacy, yep. so that they are able to come into a different level of spiritual authority from that place it's of, powerful. It, of intimacy. So, you know, I'm just praying that a lot of guys don't wake up a year from now and two years from now and say, oh, "I had the time, but we filled it with all this other stuff, yeah, and I yeah. missed the ball." You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's powerful, and I think one of the things that has marked my own life in being discipled by you and journeying with you is the whole focus and priority of intimacy with God. And for many um, people, let alone believers, uh, they're actually hungering and searching for how can they hear God's voice. So maybe let's talk about hearing God's voice for a moment, because one of the roles of the prophetic is not just to hear from God and deliver a message, but is to equip people Absolutely. in how to do that. Absolutely. How have you learned in your own journey to hear God's voice uh, practically, theologically? And then what, what are some of those things that you would encourage um, others and, who are on this journey of learning to discern and interpret God's voice? Great. Well, I think with, any, with recognizing someone's voice, whether it's God or someone, a person, you recognize it more easily when you're hearing it a lot. Yeah. Like a little story. If I was kidnapped and parachuted into a foreign country, right, and unbeknown to me, Margaret was kidnapped and parachuted into a foreign country, and she didn't know that I was. So, And they put us in this big aircraft hangar. 
and it's pitch black. The last person in the world I expect to hear is Margaret, yeah. right? Because she's at home worrying about me and calling the police, right? But the second she opens her mouth, yep. I recognise it. Yep. Why? It's the most illogical, unreasonable thing. She can't be there, and yet I'd recognise it instantly. Why? Because I know that voice. Yeah. I've heard that voice. And I think that there is no substitute for time. Yeah. There's no substitute for hunger. There's no substitute for simply getting aside. I think that Father's grace is such that, yes, we can hear him on the run. We can hear him when we're in momentum, uh, when we're all ministering. You and I both have experienced it where the voice of God will yeah. change direction at a moment, and I believe that's all vital. But I don't think there's any substitute from a separated place, a separated time, yeah. a, a, an expression of hunger and worship and adoration. I think the other thing that has helped me enormously, in fact, other than my initial conversion I, and baptism of the Holy Spirit, I can't think of anything that has changed my life as much as the revelation of his fatherhood. Right. Uh, the day that I I'd preached it for years, yeah. I understood it, but it hadn't ever hit the heart. But the day that it went from my head to my heart, he's not just the father. Yeah. He's mine. Yeah. He's mine. I'm actually born of his seed. The Bible actually says that. Yeah. So I'm not like a son to him. I am his son. Yeah. And when the day that that kind of exploded inside of me, it changed my whole approach to prayer. Wow. And hearing the voice of God. Because no longer was I coming to him just as God Almighty, although he obviously is, but I was coming to him as my father. Yeah. As a son. Yeah. And the level of affection and anticipation of yes. his warmth and his love and he, all of that increased but it has to be cultivated yeah i changed my my speech like in the way i prayed it's no longer the father it's mine yeah i i, I just talk about father I don't, you probably noticed that so i yeah. i don't talk about now the father said i just talk about father why because he is my father yeah and I think too, uh, if we don't, if we don't make our prayer life a religious routine, yes, I talk to him about everything on the planet, yeah, and spending that time, whether I'm laughing with him, telling a joke, it it's, he's my father, yeah, and I think we, if we cultivate that kind of a intimacy of a relationship, we'll yeah. understand his voice, we'll recognize his voice, absolutely. Um, and I think the other thing for prophetic people particularly is not to limit our anticipation of his voice to some prophetic moment or to some religious moment or to some ministry moment yes. or, or, or required moment. But we should be listening all the time. Yeah, totally. When I'm walking out with the kangaroos, which I do a lot, <laughs> um, I'm all the time I'm listening. Yeah. Uh, you cultivate a vigilance towards his voice. Yeah. Hmm. That's really good. Do you think that also in this journey of learning to hear God's voice that we need to go on a journey of discerning how God particularly speaks to us? Mm -hmm. Because I know in um, discipling some people around the prophetic or learning to hear God's voice, it's been helpful to help them understand that for some people, um, how God communicates, the language of heaven, mm -hmm. comes in different forms. Yes, it does. For some people it comes with 
pictures and uh, impressions. Other people, it's like inspired thoughts mm. um, or, or, or more dramatic, ecstatic sort of moments with God. Um, do you think that's a critical part of it, is learning to discern how God individually speaks to that person? Absolutely. My wife and I could not be more different, right? Yeah. Um, my wife's a very intelligent. Uh, she does everything line after line. And, yep. and, and you know, uh, um, me, I'm an explosion in a mattress factory. You know? <laughs> um, so so I, I, I hear from God spontaneously and inspirationally yep. and, you know, subjectively. Um, and Margaret is a very calm but definite knowing. Yep. And she also gets it a lot from the Word. Yes. Uh, the, the Word is often quickened to her in a very personal way. Yeah, well. I think a person has to be very comfortable in their own skin yep. and realize that the God that created them that way will speak to them that yep. way. Yep. I think where we get stumbled is when people compare themselves yeah. with somebody who might be more extrovert or more obvious or more dramatic yep. Yep. Um, but that's not an indication of spirituality yep totally so then in the journey of hearing God's voice um, there often comes a moment where people start to recognize that there could be uh, seeds of a gifting or a grace there when it mm-hmm. comes to the prophetic and um, I think one of the things that has been a disservice to some believers in the past is the moment that a believer hears the voice of God, uh, they're almost labeled as prophetic or a prophet. Mm. And um, and we know that that's not necessarily the case from a biblical perspective. But for people who are starting to see a greater consistency mm-hmm. of um, not just hearing the voice of God, but in learning to interpret that and then communicate that with the heart of God to people. Um, maybe let's talk a little bit about um, how can someone begin to discover and develop prophetic grace and gifting in their life and um, and how that sort of that journey, as you've observed it, outworks in people's lives. Well, it's going to be a very uniquely individual thing. Yeah. And I think that's important. But I think there are principles. Uh, I think that if we see the operation of the prophetic as a gift, now it is a gift, but if we see it in that context, it's something we are we are trying to stir up or trying to develop or trying to express. But if we see the prophetic as simply being ourselves being a conduit yeah. for Father's heart to touch the heart of the individual, yeah. Um, I feel that the two non-negotiable elements is a passionate love for God and a passionate love for people yeah, and a desire to connect them. Yep. Um, a prophetic people uh, need to, by necessity, be a bold people. They've yeah. got to step out of the boat. They've got to dare to go on the front line. Um, but what will make them able to do that, which will give them the security to do that, is knowing their leadership, knowing their covering, yeah. uh, being in a right relationship with their oversight. Um, I don't think boundaries, for instance, we used to think of boundaries as a restrictive thing. I think boundaries actually are a very powerful releasing thing. Yeah. Because if you know where the boundaries are, biblically and with your oversight, 
you can be as bold as anything within the boundaries. Yeah. Um, you're secure. So I think good biblical teaching on, on the prophetic is necessary. When a person's starting to show some sort of really prof- prophetic heart, um, I believe then that it's a time to for them to do a course, to do some study on it, to be taught on it. Um, there's some good stuff out there. Um, yeah. Helen Calder's got some good stuff. We turned out an uh, uh, audio thing, what yeah. about how many, about 12, 13 sessions on, on understanding the prophetic yeah. um, a few years ago. And Sally you know Sally well yeah. she just turned out the best thing I've ever read my entire life she wrote it on five weeks uh, called The Nature of the Prophetic and it's incredible wow it's incredible I was stunned reading it the other day so so how could people access those resources what's the mo- the best way to do that last one that one's not yet out it's coming out very soon yeah um, but just go to our website yep yeah davemccracken.org yeah fantastic and they're all there yeah, great. So in terms of then moving to, you know, um, the idea of the role of a prophet in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. um, there is uh, a big difference between someone, A, hearing the voice of God yep. in their own intimacy and relationship with God, uh, B, being, you know, in a prophetic atmosphere. It could be a worship service. It could mm-hmm. be... Um, uh, you know, in, in the company of a prophetic anointing where they're inspired to prophesy. We know that one of the manifestations of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a big difference between someone, you know, d- having even a prophetic gift versus someone being a recognized prophet in the body of Christ speaking to the corporate body. Yep. M- maybe talk a little bit about the role of the prophet in the body of Christ because we can see that over many decades now, the prophetic has been restored um, into the expression of the modern church. Um, but there's still a lot of churches and believers who don't necessarily understand the importance and significance of the role of the prophet as it applies to the fivefold ministry. Yep. Maybe speak into that for a moment because God's been, you know, obviously using you in that space over many years all across the world. Um, what would you say to to people who are wanting to better understand that role and how it applies to the local church? Well, I think it's Ephesians 4. Yep. And as you said before, every ministry given in Ephesians 4, whether it be pastor, teacher, evangelist, or prophet, is there to equip. Yeah. So I don't think it's there to entertain. Yeah. I think it's to equip. So whether it is a personal word of prophecy to an individual or whether it's bringing the mind of God for a certain moment to a church or an organization or to a nation or a city. The whole point is to two things. One is to bring Father's intention to bear, make clear that which is burdening the heart of God for that environment. And because that is so, that then there is an equipping of all of those within that environment to embrace that will and intention that he's made known. So you can make known, but if you haven't equipped, yeah. then people can't embrace what God has just said. Yeah. Um, I think that also with the role of the prophet, and I don't want to overstate this, but I think that the apostle and prophet have a, a governmental, the apostle more than the prophet, but there is a governmental type of uh, element there, particularly in the realm of the spirit. Yeah. And I have been a very firm believer, and I've uh, 
believed for it all my own life, is that there should be a notable shift in the spirit when you've had a visit from a prophet. Yep. Not just that you've had a great meeting, everybody's been excited, there's been a prophetic flow. That's wonderful, but if something hasn't changed, yep. then the office of the prophet hasn't been operating. Wow. Um, and I remember Ashley Evans saying to me years and years ago, Andrew before him, that um, there's always a notable shift yeah. when you come. And so I think that's what I look for is is the fact that, that that governmental factor, when I say that, I'm not talking about human government. I'm talking yes. about in the spirit they yes. have a an authority that's recognized so that when they proclaim the mind and will of God into that environment, spiritually there has to be a shift, a recreative yep. work that takes place there, really. Absolutely, and I've seen that um, in your ministry, um, in just observing, listening, and being a part of different meetings, etc., that you have uh, ministered at, but also... Um, in my own journey in ministry, mm. when I was full-time itinerant for several years, people would comment that, um, you know, something shifted uh, pre that weekend, post that weekend. And I think mm. um, it, it isn't just the words that a prophetic ministry brings, but it's the, the, the presence of Christ in that yes. yeah, absolutely. Uh, person, absolutely. that they are the gift that, that God sends to that church mm. to bring shifts. Yep. About and so I've seen that at work. How do you think we would you could how would you recommend or advise a pastor or leader in terms of integrating prophetic ministry into the life of the church? Because unfortunately, what often happens is if there has been a lack of teaching about mm -hmm. the prophetic, yep. or that church hasn't been exposed to a legitimate fivefold prophetic ministry. Um, it can sort of be put into the too hard basket and the ooky spooky bin and sort of like, well, let, let's just allow that particular small group who's interested in that to do that in that corner of the church versus actually bringing it front and center in and allowing it to be developed into something that's an, a mature expression yep. in the life of the church. How would you recommend that a leader begin to integrate, be it in a life group or in the life of the church, prophetic ministry as a normal part of how that church operates? I think, first of all, I would take at least a Sunday, if not more than one, just to develop the end appetite yeah. by by speaking inspirationally about the gifts of the Spirit, yeah. about the reality of the Holy Spirit and how He can speak today and, and how encouraged and inspiring it can be to a person or to a group that yeah. when God can speak. Uh, I think build the, the appetite, inspiration, yeah. um, then as people respond to that, um, to encourage them, to water them, to nurture them. I don't think that we should let a person with a early evidence of a gift of this prophecy to find their own way. Yeah, I think there must be a, an environment, a, a group in which good biblical teaching can take place. Yeah, but as I said before, the clearer the biblical teaching is on it, yeah. the clearer the boundaries are, the clearer the uh, levels of response. Uh, then the bolder they're going to be. Yeah, wonderful. I think we have to allow people to know, look, if you make a mistake, 
it's not the end of the world. Yeah, that's it. It really isn't. Um, uh, you know, I'll love you as much after the mistake as before. Yeah. But I want you to be teachable. Yeah. I want you to be open to the fact that I can adjust you. One of the worst things in this globe is someone with a prophetic gift without a teachable heart. Yep. So I, if I was still passing a church, I, I wouldn't... Uh, this may sound merciless. I don't mean it. <laughs> I don't mean it that way. But I'd actually orchestrate times when adjustment was necessary, yep. simply because I know how how harsh, yeah, and how destructive a prophetic voice can be that doesn't have a teachable heart, yeah. a responsive heart. I think uh, that's one of the things I'd look for early in the piece greater even than the gift itself because the heart will always express itself through the gift yeah so i'm looking for someone that has a passionate love for god has a passionate love for people and who's teachable in the development of their prophetic gift yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't put it in a small group of like-minded people yeah i'd keep it as a normal part of a normal functioning body yeah wonderful you know, um, don't take all the thumbs and stick them in a drawer together so they can all be thummy. But but keep it as Brilliant. part of the body yep. and keep it normal. Yeah. And above all, despookify it. Yes. You know, it just isn't. It should be the normal. Yeah. Of picking up Father's heart. Yeah. For someone else. Yeah. Or for a body or a church, and saying, "Oh, Father wants to encourage him by saying this. Yeah. I'll pass it on." Yeah, and and keep it out of the fluffy, keep it out of the spooky or the weird, or keep it out of the. This makes us special. Yeah, this totally. makes us more elite. Yeah. This somehow makes us more spiritual because it doesn't. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, amazing, pure gold. Um, let's go big picture now. In reflecting on fifty-three years of ministry, um, which is an unbelievable achievement, um, and preaching for many of those years, ministering prophetically, what's one of the greatest lessons you've personally learned in ministry? I spoke earlier about mm. his fatherhood and my sonship. Yeah, that's got to be yeah. the big, big one to yeah. me. Um, one of the other things I've learned is total dependence. Yeah, living a life of total dependence. Uh, one of the things that people said to us when we went out itinerant, which was like 32 years ago, right? Yeah. Um, and they told us all the horror stories back then. You know, you've been itinerant. You understand yeah. this, you know. And back then, we nobody didn't have church support or anything else. You're yeah. totally dependent on God's grace. Yeah. And most churches in those days would give you your petrol money and wave you bye bye. <laughs> so um, it, it was it was not like it is today. Um, but and often, when I say often, I would say by far the majority of weeks. In our first few years as itinerant, we were praying in the groceries, we were praying in the prayer money, yep. we'd get together down as a family and say, because we didn't have anything left in the bank, and we'd say, God, we need to pay the rent or whatever it was. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that must have been hard. Actually, it wasn't. Actually, that's what developed inside of us, the the realization that our father was faithful. Yeah. And, and I think what's been lost today in a lot of places has been, one, the pioneer spirit, 
yeah. which we should rediscover. Yeah, totally. Um, and to a sense of the faithfulness of God, the 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 sovereignty of God, the provision of God. Um, I had a pastor say to me not long ago, um, gee, David, it must be scary to live like you do. I mean, you never know where the next bit's coming from and, you know, living on the edge. And I said, and I, was, I wasn't being funny. I was being absolutely honest. I said, actually, how you live is more scary. <laughs> I, I'm in the safest place on the planet. That's it. And that's a total dependence on my father's goodness. How can yeah. I possibly miss? So I think his fatherhood, my sonship, and totally secure in my father's faithfulness. Yeah, that's uh, wonderful. His provisions. Um, I've got books of miracles. Well, one of yeah. them you know about. Yes. The book You Did What? Yeah. It's chock-a-block with miracles yeah, um, right, that comes out of simply knowing yeah. he's your source. Your his your He's your provision. He's your source. He's everything you need. Yeah. And you can be in the middle of World War Three and be <laughs> as safe as a safe as a rock because yeah. your father is never going to go to sleep on you. It's He's wonderful. never going to turn away from you. He's always going to be in there for your good. It's so good. Um, maybe let's um, look at some rapid fire questions now. So just okay. a few quick ones. Yes. Okay. Um, what uh, what's a, a book you're reading currently, or maybe? What's one of the other than the Bible? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's one of the best books that you've come across and you've read that have really um, shaped and molded you? Okay, okay, that's a good question. If I had a good answer to it, it would be even better. Or, uh, or a present book that you've yeah. I I tell you what I read last year. Yeah. Oh, a few months ago, in fact, was uh, Andrew's book, Andrew Newbolt. Yes. Um, fearless? Fearless. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. I thought it was brilliant because I think too many people are caught up in anxiety. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, so definitely that. Yeah. Um, I don't read a lot of books. Yeah. I, I, I'm a bit of a quirky one that way. I, <laughs> I just really love the word. Yeah. You know, I, get, I get given books all the time and I've got a stack about that, you know, yeah. like... <laughs> About half a meter high on my desk, like you know, begging to get be read. But um, I skim through books. Yeah. But there has been. I I just didn't anticipate the question. But um, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure that you I know, can. I recommend. mean, that book, Fearless. We actually had Andrew on as a guest, as you know, okay. uh, several weeks ago, and um, we talked about that book because I think that that is a really relevant message for the world mm-hmm. uh, and for believers right now. Um, maybe w- what would, another question, what would be, what what's your greatest prayer right now? What would be the prayer that's on your heart, that's on, on your lips that you find yourself saying a lot or praying a lot recently? Okay. Um, well, it's constantly hungering after... Um, and I'm not one to sound spooky when I say this, but I've had a revelation of living beyond the veil. Yeah. I don't want any veil. Yeah. I want my father and I to be able to eyeball in yep. the spirit with nothing between us. Yeah. So I, 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 if there's anything, um, not legalism, but I don't, I don't want anything. I don't want a, a comma 
or a dash between me and my father. So yeah. my cry is, Father, let me know instantly of anything that will hinder your uh, uh, ability to great crash my world, for me to be able to hear the whispers of heaven. Um, so intimacy with my father is always my greatest hunger and cry. Um, but with other people, um, I make a prayer. I suppose it's the prayer that I pray more than any other prayer ever um, is let me hear what you hear. Yeah. Let me feel what you feel and let me see what you see. Yeah, wonderful. G- give me ears to hear what you're hearing. Yep. Give me eyes to be able to see what you actually see. When we, we started that team 15 years ago, the Lord spoke to me and says, they're not going to look like what they're going to end up. Yeah, You're wow. going to have to get them in the raw, in the rough, when nothing, when, you, when nobody else can see what I can see. Yeah. And he says, but I'll give you eyes to see. Yeah. So if we're looking at people and we're ministering to people and we're reaching people, God, give me eyes to see yeah. what you can it's see. Profound. Yeah. Look beyond the surface. Give me a heart to feel. Yeah. What you feel. Yep. Totally. Yeah. So, and finally, um, this is something, uh, a question that I was asked um, several months ago, and it really challenged me and took me by surprise. And the question is if you only had three breaths, last three breaths of your life, <laughs> to be able to pass on to family, mm-hmm or to people around about you that are defining um, convictions or defining uh, declarations of what life is all about for you and and that you would want to pass on to others, what would be in sentence form or in statement form, what would be your last three breaths? If you could think about some key defining statements that you would want to pass on to your family or friends or to our listeners today, what would be your last three breaths as best as you can right now? Above all, pursue intimacy with his heart as your father. Um, hunger for that relationship. Yeah. To realize that all ministry, if I'm talking to ministry people, all ministry, all expression of ministry, is only an extension of my father's heart yeah, in wow. that given moment. Um, I remember when I was facing a crisis once, um, I said, Lord, what I've got to do? And he just gave me this phrase. He says, keep your intimacy with me and your integrity with people. And I believe if we keep our intimacy with him and our integrity with people, we'll not fall far short of the mark. Because it's all about him and people. It's wonderful. David, I want to thank you so much for coming and being a guest on Kingdom Perspectives. And really thank you for sharing your heart. And uh, I invite uh, people like you in as much to learn and grow myself as much as I know that people who are listening to this podcast will be a blessing. I want to thank everyone today for listening to Kingdom Perspectives. I'm Corey Turner. It's been a privilege to host you today. I encourage you to click on the subscribe button to automatically receive this podcast on a weekly basis. Also, if you'd like to leave us a brief review, that would be a great blessing to us. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I invite you to join me again next week for another edition of Kingdom Perspectives as we get God's perspective on life, culture and ministry. 
And remember, in all that you do, seek first the kingdom of God. 